good day everyone and welcome to another episode of Left After Breakfast broadcast from 3CR your only radio left Susanna here with you and I'll be joined by other members of my Left After Breakfast team as the program continues your favourites for a start so welcome to regular listeners and indeed to anyone who has just tuned in. Good on you. 3CR Now, listener, I'm sorry to bring up the name of Scott, our former Prime Minister, again. I didn't think I'd have to mention his name again. He's gone, and I must say that pleases me right down to the ground. But I've been reading about Trump and his part in the January 6th Capitol riots. And I thought again, how could the American people have allowed him to be in office in the first place? And I thought, I despair of the people in that country. Their guns, their anti-abortion laws, their sheer racism, their overall idiocy. Yes, and I know there are some good people in there. There must be. And then I thought, who am I to judge another country when we had Scott sitting in our position of the highest office in the land? A religious fanatic. I suppose I should say crank, but I mean fanatic. But let's be real. Religious cranks have no place in high office, especially when they lie about their belief that their religious quackery has prior authority over their oath of office and over their obligation to serve in a secular, pluralistic state. We have all now read, or even seen and heard, poor you, his opening address at Margaret Court's publicly funded church in Perth. And horrified though you were at his ramblings, I was absolutely horrified by the knowledge that all those years he sat in the Prime Minister's office, he was, in reality, not just a religious nutter, not just a crank, not just someone using this cloak of religiosity to pretend that he's a good bloke, but the fact that he's actually stark, raving mad. Okay, I'm not a practising psychologist, but you don't have to be to know when a man starts talking about his personal God and how his personal God actually stopped his wife's labour so that Scott's daughter could be born on the 7th of the month instead of the 6th. And God did this because he loves Scott. Now, if you went in, dear listener, to talk to a psychologist and explain how God held up your wife's labour, what do you think your diagnosis would be, eh? But Scott believes himself to be special in God's eyes. He's one of the chosen people spreading the dominion of the Lord. The dominion of the Lord, not the Commonwealth of Australia. He was a man who lives in a starkly different reality from the rest of Australians, and his lengthy sermon to those Pentecostal believers gives us a better understanding of the defining features of his prime ministership, such as his disdain for secular accountability, 
whether that was ICAC or the Australian National Audit Office, and his ability to mislead, to be caught out in lies, and yet carry on without any shame. But tell me, how did a politician so thoroughly in the thrall of a niche religious belief ever come to power? His colleagues must have known, they would have known, his fellow parliamentarians, his fellow party members, the press gallery. People knew, all right, people knew. They knew he was working for the Lord, not for Australia, and they sat back and watched it because they profited from it. It kept their miserable, pathetic bums on parliamentary seats. I cannot ever again even look at any of those people who served in his government. I know what absolute power-hungry, self-serving, selfish, ingrates pretending to be there in Parliament to serve us, to look after our interests all the time, all the time watching Scott certifiably insane to sit there and start working for his lord. Why did they let it go? Why this conspiracy of silence? Because it suited them. It was in their own interest to let it go. The same as it was in the interest of those politicians in USA to let Trump go. And let's just carry that reasoning a little further down along the track, dear listener. The same as it suited politicians in the 1930s to let Hitler go and just go along because it served their own interests. They could still sit there in their power with their nice salaries. And that's the kind of people we've had in the government of Australia. And it's quite a horrifying horrifying fact and I never ever thought it could happen in this country but it did. We must make sure that another Scot can never again, can never again rise through the ranks to become parliamentary leader, can never again be prime minister and I'll say it again, religious cranks have no place in high office. Australia is not a theocracy, It is a secular state. We have to keep it that way. We have to stay on our toes and question each and every one of them. And if anyone else turns up and says, oh, I'm a practicing whatever it is, some kind of religion, whether it's Christian or otherwise, it must be stopped, nipped in the bud, cut out at the root, slashed and burned. Australia is a secular country. Uh, good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left.
there's plenty of specialist music programs to choose from on the 3CR grid. Explore the 3CR schedule online at 3cr.org.au. Check out Music Sans Frontier. Great voices. Music matters. The Hip Sister Hop Show. The Heavy Session. The Planet X Radio Show. Satellite Skies. Shindig. Sweet Dreams. Tune in to 3CR 855 AM on your digital radio or streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Let our music make you happy. You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet, www.3cr.org.au. You are indeed listening to 3CR, and it's time to hear from the BL from the bush. G'day, comrade. G'day, listener. It's the BL from the bush calling in. Hoping you're all uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Well, I see that the, the gates of the House of the Borchery up there in Canberra have been slung open. We're in for a, a few months now of, no doubt, shenanigans. Speaking of shenanigans, I mean, you know, like, you think you're not surprised, but, you know, that Morrison and the rest of his mob up there in the death throes, using people, fleeing oppression again, as a last-ditch effort to try and swing votes their way. And here they are, they'll, they'll just go to any length to try and save their neck, you know, to use those people as bait. Bait for the electorate to say, oh, look at us, look how tough we are, look, look what we can do, you know, on the day, you know. They're in caretaker mode. Talk about caretaker, more like scaremaker, you know. That's what they were doing. So the more the investigation into that, the more comes out of that, the better. Just let the people know. Well, we all know, we all knew, uh, listener, what sort of a mongrel he was. And the people that surrounded him, just ask anyone that's on social security entitlements, they'll soon tell you. But, you know, we've got all this new mob there, the new independents and teals and bloody whatever you up there now. I've got to tell you, uh, listen, I'm a bit taken aback by this, this Pocock, this David Pocock bloke, now South African, you know, he's come over here and he's done all right, played a bit of footy and what have you. You'd think that he's got where he, he did on the back of, oh, I'm an independent and I want to have a bit of a look at what's going on. The first thing he does when he gets in there, he opens his, opens his north and south. The first thing he does is just a crack at the Labor government trying to get rid of the ABCC. Well, hang on a minute. You've only been there, even there, five minutes and you're showing your colours. I just think he's showing his true colours here, listener, and he's, he might be a stooge. I think he might be ringing. You'd sort of wait, you'd wait and have a bit of a look until you started mouthing off about that. Now, we all know about the ABCC, well, I certainly do. The, the watchdog that was put in by the, by the Liberal governments to curtail the so-called the bad boys of the union movement in the building construction industry. Well, you know, two or three Royal Commissions found bugger all, or a little bit of this and that was going on, but, I mean, you know, no-one got sloughed up or no-one was doing the things to, to warrant this type of attention. With the ABCC, I mean, people were still dying on jobs, 
developers and, and bosses were still getting away with what they always got away with. But their whole objective was to, to put a, a boot around the throat of the, of the worker. Don't worry about the contractors. Don't worry about the, the bosses or the developers. It's the, uh, the worker that they were after. And like court case after court case after court case, you know, they have a little win here, a win there, but most of them they were beaten. And then to, to spend $550,000 on trying to stop workers putting stickers on helmets and flying flags from cranes. I mean, please. So hopefully, listener, this ABCC and that will be taken right out of existence. But, you know, here it is, and, you know, and here it is, he's the boss of this ABCC. He's, they're going to take their powers away from him, but this bloke's going to be still sitting on his ass doing nothing for 450 large a year he's on. 450,000 a year, year this bloke's on. That's just one of them. And he's going to be sitting on his ass doing nothing and still getting a quid. Well, you know, as I say, just ask people on uh, Social Security entitlements yeah, what they think of that. Anyway, listener, I'm still a bit... I'm not too happy about this David Pocock fella. Anyway, we'll just sort of watch him and see what happens. Yeah, just another thing. Oh, now, I'm not sure, I only caught a bit of this, but I'm not sure who's, whether this was done by the last government or this new government just been elected, done it. But we talk about jobs and growth and jobs for the community and jobs for the country and all this sort of stuff. Let's, let's get people to work and whatever. Now, I hear today... That there's a military clothing contract just been shanghaied out of here over to China. They're going to make the clothing for our armed forces in another country. I don't care if it's China or, or Italy or, or wherever it is, but you would think that given the economic problems that we have here and what we're facing with the deficit and what have you, you would think that the first thing that they would do is, okay, let's sling a hook here, let, let's give our own a quid and make some stuff here. All right, for the for the life of me, uh, listener, it, it's just amusing me how anyone can come up with that in this time. To send a contract at large overseas, do it here, do it here, give our people the jobs here. We've got plenty of people that will be putting their hand up. So, yeah, it, it's all starting off uh, very interesting, listener. We'll just see how it all goes. So, yeah... So that's probably about it for me this week. Listener, I haven't got a real lot else to say. I'll just go out in the same old way. There to struggle, there to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast, the only show left. 3CR And a bit of music for the BL from the bush. Scatter my rights all over the place And take the bread from off my plate But you can't break me Lock me out, chain the gates Put black shirts in with dogs and mace I'll hold the line, won't step away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong We belong to the union Don't count me out when I'm on the floor We'll win again, we 
mighty roar Cause you can't break me Stocks rise up on workers' backs Profits soar while you hand out the sack Boardroom bullies bloated and fat But you can't break me Australia's sold to mates offshore Backroom deals and shonky law This day has come, we say no more You can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the Union I belong, you belong, we belong to the Union We won't turn away if you dare us to fight I swear I'll never lay down and Strong women and men united as one Cause you can't break me There's a warning here to the men in grey The piper's come, it's time to pay We're taking back what you stole away Cause you can't break me I belong, you belong, we belong to the union I belong, you belong, we belong to the union Yes, Parliament opened just last Tuesday and true to form, to the form of ugliness and racism at its very worst, Pauline Hanson snubbed the Indigenous acknowledgement and she walked out of the Senate during the opening acknowledgement to country. She dismissed its validity and said she would never pay respect to the Indigenous flag. What's changed since her first time in Parliament in 1997 and her raving about the yellow hordes? I wish people would just turn their backs every time she spoke. Well, I hope they locked the doors after she left. This is more than obscene, this behaviour, as Senator in Parliament. A publicity stunt on her behalf, of course to impress all those heavy intellectuals who voted for her. But on a better note from Parliament this week, the Senate gave Jana Stewart a standing ovation from both sides of the chamber for her maiden speech to Parliament. Jana is the ALP's first Aboriginal senator from Victoria. Good on you, love. Just like right in the sand 
3CR, your only radio left. 3CR. We will be crossing over to the Bagman soon, listener, thanks to the miracles of modern technology. But before we do that, I want to thank you again for your support during our Radiothon. And I'd like to remind those who haven't actually completed their pledge that you can do that. You can go online to www.3cr.org.au www.3cr.org.au or give us a call on 94198377 and we'll tell you how to go about it. But thank you again for keeping us on air for one more year. 
we're halfway through it and what an amazing year it's been, what we've seen so far. It can only get better, listener. It can only get better. And by popular demand, we'll hear once again from comrade Natasha, the working-class poet. The Fallen Once I drew my roots deep in the earth underneath this ravine. Once I spread my branches high and wide, so many shades of green. Once I harboured fledglings in my boughs while they learnt how to fly. So many parrots, galahs and owls, generations gone by. Once my foliage fell upon the ground, made a carpet of food for microbes, insects, mosses and worms who all showed gratitude. Once the forest filled the fields and hills before the lumberjacks. We stood in a phalanx of the giants. Now we're flat on our backs. Once I breathed in carbon from the air, gave oxygen instead. Once I managed wind, the rain and the sun. Now I'm on your deathbed. Once you worshipped me, the tree of life. Once there was dendrolatry. Once I lived for many centuries. My rings now memory. Once I drew my roots deep in the earth, underneath this ravine. Once I spread my branches high and wide. So many shades of green. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM. Visit the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au forward slash podcast to hear the most recent recording from each show or 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming to listen live. Good morning, Bagman, and how are you this week? Good morning, Susan. I'm as fit as a merry tadpole. And it's a lovely day out there on Friday morning, but the disclaimer is that we have to do this program on a Wednesday afternoon. So what the weather will be like on Friday morning, I have got no idea. But we have a full book for you today, Susan. A bit of humour, a bit of pathos, a bit of this and a bit of that. Now, I must admit, I just watched a great program on National Geographic. Now, something... I don't do that all that often about Aussie icons and about original Australian inventions. Now, you may not know, and I, but I'm pretty sure you do, I, I, Aussies invented the black box for aeroplanes. They invented yeah. the first motor mower, the Victor. Yeah, the Victor. And of course, and of course, the Super Sopper and above and beyond, the Hills Hoist etc, etc. But according to the presenter on this program that I was watching, the greatest invention to come out of this great country and thanks to the trade union movement was the eight-hour day enjoyed by every worker in most countries in the world. We have to say congratulations to our pioneer unionists. Every year we lay a wreath on the eight-hour day monument in memory of the eight-hour day, 
which was won in 1856. Well, you'd be correct with the year, Susan. I wasn't around then, but you may have been. But anyway, congratulations to those people. The movement for the eight-hour day began, well, Clifton Hill. Though it wasn't Clifton Hill at the time, it was Collingwood still. It was just down the road from me at a quarry down there. They were quarry workers. They used to meet where St Vincent's Hospital now is and as part of the St Vincent's Hospital. But once again, congratulations to them because we live in their glory. 3CR. I went to the Royal Women's Hospital because my mum was there at the time to be born. And I was raised in North Melbourne and uh, then became upwardly mobile and moved up to Broadie. So I became the Broadie boy. But on the 22nd of November 1963, as a 13-year-old boy, I was selling newspapers on the corner of Flemington and Racecourse Road, North Melbourne. In those days, I lived next to the footy ground in Arden Street. So it was a fair walk every morning to reach the corner to sell newspapers. It was about two kilometres. But five times a day, I'd walk that distance, probably no more than seven sixpence per week. Thank Christ, the Michael School, which I attended, was only another mile away. And after returning newspapers I had not sold, I would be off to school. Now, all that changed, Susan, on the 23rd of November, when word came out that the President of the United States of America, John Kennedy, had been assassinated. My mate... And I, Manny Ferrugia, selling newspapers on the corner of Racecourt and Flemington Road, we've run off our feet trying to keep up with every motorist wanting to catch up with the news. We had to race backwards and forwards from our selling point to get more newspapers from the news agent. We just couldn't keep up. As news spread the next day, it was to be a similar run on the newspapers. So extra supplies were ordered. We were both run off our feet, the same as the day before, but what a day for pocket money. I sold so many copies for the next two days, I earned the princely sum, believe it or not, eight quid. Wow. Oh, and this was pre-decimal days. I figured if I could make eight quid over two days, I made the momentous decision with a pocket full of dosh, that if a world leader was to be assassinated every week, I'd never have to go to school ever again. So I didn't. Simple as that. But a world leader wasn't assassinated every week. No, well, that was a downfall. Um, (laughs) There is a moral to the story yet to come. Not going to school and a lack of world leaders being bumped off each week. I soon fell into a life of petty crime and spent my formative years in and out of juvenile facilities and notorious boys' homes run by the Catholic priests. Now, my lack of education was not enough to discourage the old men in wigs 
and long black robes because they continued to sentence me to free government scholarship in government institutions. The only thing lacking in my education, Susan, is that I missed the day they taught English and grammar. So I write as I speak. Now, I didn't miss out of the arithmetic. I can still count up to eight quid whenever I want to. 3CR. And talking about religion, there's a brouhaha going on in Sydney about the god botherers not wanting to wear an inclusive uh, rainbow jumper while they're playing rugby. Now, apparently these god brothers don't want to be inclusive and don't want to play with people who may be propagating the inclusiveness of gay rights. I've got no respect for religion and I have no respect for religion that teaches you to hate people. If you hate people in that way, it's about time you got a new religion. These are the rugby players. Yeah, uh, most of them are islanders. Christianity is actually taken over from those people and they don't see straight and they treat other people like, uh, well, they treat them like lepers. Anyway, those men, I've seen them, they're pretty well covered in tattoos. Yes, they are, Susan, but they're at the same time, they're consumed by the Pentecostal religion, such as Hillsong and those other people that speak in tongues. But tattoos are against the law of God. Oh, I didn't know that, Susan. I thought I'd already been guilty of committing every sin against God over the years. Oh, no, you can't have a tattoo. You can't do that to your body. It is an abomination. I bet yeah. they wear blended fabrics, too. Oh, right. Oh. You, you can't wear oh, blended you're, fabric. You're that, right into this religion business, aren't you? Oh, just common knowledge, bagman, general <laughs> knowledge. Ah, uh, well, you know what they say about religion, Susan? When you touch yourself, as some people do, an angel dies. Really? How your child's filthy habit is destroying religion and what you can do about it. Did you hear that from Jiminy Cricket? <laughs> Jiminy Cricket. 3CR. Hey, we've got to talk about the good things that governments do. Last Tuesday, we actually seen the, the swearing in of the new Labor government. And we've got to give them credit because the new Labor government has already promised to abolish the ABCC and the cashless credit card. And they also voted to extend leave for women who are suffering from domestic violence. We don't fully support whatever the Labor Party does, but in, the, in this instance, we really have to say, good on you. That's what governments are about. Hey, Bagman. Yeah. Did you hear about Peter Dutton? Peter Dutton? Yeah, when Parliament opened on Tuesday, yes. he, he went up to sit in his old chair. <laughs> and he was booted off it, of course. 
Wrong I, chair, Pete. Did someone say, get in your own chair, Bullfed? <laughs> I hope so. Sit down, <laughs> Bullfed. Talking about Peter Dutton and talking about people like Bob Catter, they're the crazies in the Australian Parliament. I've got to say that Peter Dutton has almost declared war on China. The uh, previous government has said that they will join forces with America if China invades Taiwan. Twelve months ago, the Chinese government refused to load our crayfish. The Navy had been chasing Chinese warships around the Indian Ocean. In Chinese waters? Look, Susan, if it wasn't funny, it would be even funnier because we've almost declared war on China and guess where we get our uniforms for Australian forces made? Yeah, I know. The the BL from the bush told me. Made in China. Well, bag man, to tell you the truth, I think everything in my house is made in China. All my appliances, my furniture, my curtains, the clothes I wear, my shoes. There's a great big factory in China somewhere that makes everything. Well, I've always had a thought about that, Susan, that sometimes when you go into big department stores and you want to buy something and it's so cheap, you think, this must be made by slave labour. And it probably was. But sometimes when poor families go into these big stores, it's the only type of merchandise that they can afford, whether it be T-shirts, whether it be shoes or other clothing, whatever. So I'm fired by Beach Way on that one. The trade union movement here in Australia has had a a very big contribution to to those countries that employed or may have employed slave labour and because of the work of the Australian trade unions, those people in those countries uh, get a bit better wage than greedy bosses would have paid them in the first place. Right. Uh, and, uh, and talking about the BL from the bush, it was good to see that the Labor government is about to abolish, not quite abolish, the ABCC. The ABCC is the group of fat failed policemen that chased every trade unionist on working on building sites and fined them for having a flag on their building site, fined them for having safety stickers on their helmets when it had the union logo. Their effort over the last couple of years, since about 2017, has been absolutely disgraceful. But the Labor Party's not doing away with them completely because there's been a bit of horse trading. They're going to keep them on for a little while longer with less powers. Their funding will be reduced greatly, which is a good thing. And workers that died on building sites and there was no punishment for employers, they will now be able to pursue safety on building sites for the benefit of all workers. But the best news of the week, Susan, 
the best news, and you should be rejoicing, is that the John Curtin Hotel has just received a reprieve from the National Trust where they have uh, been granted National Trust uh, protection. (laughs) One of the reasons, Susan, is they got the National Trust protection is because Bob Hawke used to drink there. Well, I would have said that the protection should have been issued on the basis that you ran, Susan Duffy, ran the meat raffle every Friday night for 13 years without anybody ever winning the meat raffle. That should have been the basis for that protection from the National Trust. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well worth it. It was a good raffle. Yeah, well, the money went to a good cause. It did. It paid your rent. It did. <laughs> 3CR. What do you yep. think about fruit bats? Fruit bats? Yeah. I've not met too many of them. Are you sure? A fruit bat? I've seen a cricket bat. No, I meant fruit bats, those little flying things. They fly over your neighbourhood every night. Yes, and then they fly back in the morning. What do I think of them? Yeah, I see that Dim Tim, the weirdo of state politics, is terrified of fruit bats. He's really scared of them. I would have thought that he was more afraid of Labour voters or working-class people, and fruit bats. I think the fruit bats scared him so much, that's why he took to the grog. Oh, that's right. So so he took to the grog, and he drove home, pissed as a fart, and crashed into a house where a young 11-year-old girl was sleeping. He still remains a member of Parliament. Twice. Uh, a rule for you, and a rule for them. He did it twice, Fagman. He was caught over the limit twice. She did manage to reduce what was once the safe Liberal seat of Q into a marginal seat. Yes, it'll be interesting to see how he... Well, I think he's retired, hasn't he? Not before time. But I like your description of him, Dim Tim. And he's batshit crazy. The Australian government's class clown... Now, you will know this, bloke. He's as mad as a hatter. He's a member for Kennedy. Bob Catter is as mad as a hatter. And he promised to bring devious cunning and ruthless brutality to the current term of Parliament. You've got to take into account, Catter is irrelevant and widely regarded as a joke. All bluster and bullshit and no brain. The bigger the hat the smaller the mind. The only thing Catter applies to himself are the constant calling for crocs to be killed, taking gun money lobby and ensuring he gets elected. Bob Catter is elected uh, every three or four years and it gives only gives encouragement that are less uh, well endowed in the uh, the brain department. Are you saying that, that some other stupid people are encouraged by this? Well, if Bob Catter can be elected to Parliament, there's great hope for every other person that's walking on this earth because he is as bad 
as I have her. Mad as a cut snake. Mad as a cut snake, as he'd say. Anyway, I wanted to give you a quote before we finish the program, and it comes out of the recent IBAC investigation. One electoral officer of Marlene Carew's, also Adam Somerak, he said, I always knew... I wasn't a taxpayer's dollar. I knew that it wasn't right. I know that it's not what we were employed to do. You had to do it because of your job. Now, these are the people, Adam Somurak, Marlene Carews, who who tried to steal the Labor Party away from working people. Not that the Labor Party is the the be-all and end-all for working people, uh, the unions are, but these are the people deviously trying to cut back on workers' rights and safety. And the sooner they're gone, Adam Sumrak and Marlene Carew, Marlene learned about branch stacking from her father. She's been involved in it for many, many years. It's a family thing, is it? Oh, yes, it's a family thing. The more I read into the IBAC report, uh, the more I'll be able to report back to you over the next few weeks. That's the Independent Broad-Based Anti-Corruption Commission. That's right. I sat glued to the television when it was televised on the television every day and watched people like Adam Sumerak and Marlene Carew's crucify themselves by lying to the commission. Anyway, they're all gone now. Now, I'm not too sure all the time, Susan. It's that time. It's that time. All right, just before we go, can I say that there is a a debate going on as to whether we should shut the borders with Indonesia, whether we should shut people from going to Bali and Indonesia, but the government and the opposition don't want to shut the borders because they said people coming back from Bali and Indonesia will do the right. Think back to the pandemic and think back to people who followed the rules, which they didn't. Anyway, Susan, let's go out in the same old way. Uh, why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from left after breakfast. 3CR. Cool Clark and Gabal Yaha Clea. August Hosig Shay a co Ibru La Halbanach Lodger James Connolly. Far La Tishmahori Aaronaka. Hodig may Trasna go Halvan Conan Arthur Rogu James Connolly a Echoil. Rogu and Shaw A in New Aden, Hart Van Vrien, Octave Shakto. Tommy and Shaw Conbula la Dickahan, Sar Arani Albanak. On far I will blean to Father Kacha get a Kana Aran, we hail on Lukt Ibra. There's a page in history when the workers first fought back, and the made of exploitation at last began to crack. In farm and field and factory, workshop men and mill, a flame was lit, a beacon bright, a flame that's burning still, and James Connolly was there.
Connolly was there. Old brave undaunted James Connolly was there. The bosses tried to sweat the lads away in Glasgow's Clyde. Until a voice like thunder soon stopped them in their stride. In Liverpool and Belfast, the workers lived in hell. Until at last, they organized and anyone can tell that James Connolly was there. Connolly was there. Bold, brave, undaunted James Connolly. So, Dick, the song Connolly was there. Um, where'd you get that song? I'm pretty convinced that it was written by Dominic Bean right. because it's got his fingerprints all over it. Right. <laughs> but Dominic, Dominic used to come into the Scotia Bar in Glasgow and uh, he was always up for a song and drink was taken in great quantities. I'm sure he, he sang it to me one night mm. and it stuck in my head. I've never heard anybody else doing it and, and most people don't know it. No, it's fantastic. Um, and it's, it's a hell of a song. It is, because it's hopeful. Mm. I mean, Connolly wrote loads of songs himself mm. and was very aware of the power that singing mm. had on people. Yeah. I mean, do you feel that same way about songs and singing? Very much so. I mean, you can get ideas across in a song that you can't get across in discussion. It's kind of like fighting a guerrilla war. You know, the, the music opens up a wee crack in mm -hmm. people's heads, hopefully, at best. You know, and, and with the, use the music to kind of open up a wee chink and throw an idea in and then get the hell out of there quick before they realise what you've done, <laughs> you know. They say that he was murdered, shot, dying in a chair. But go march on to freedom, Irish workers don't despair. In farm and field and factory, and workshop men and mill. That beacon bright, that flaming light, the light is burning still. And James Connolly will be there. Connolly will be there. Old brave undaunted James Connolly will be there. Okay everyone, that's it for this episode. Thanks for your company. Thanks for the ride. See you next week. Same time, same place. Until then, cheerio and ciao from Left After Breakfast. 